How would you like to improve your relationship? How would you like to respond differently in a way that facilitates mutuality and encourages connection? We look forward to addressing these issues together and welcome you to Ask Arlo, a program that seeks to help you identify negative patterns and respond in new ways that can promote a more positive relationship. Now, here is the host of Ask Arlo, Arlene Majorano. Two, one. Okay, hi. So uh, my name is Arlene Majorano, and I'm here with my guest, Michael O'Brien. And we're going to hi. talk today about the... Um, importance of understanding your projections in a relationship and how they mm-hmm. manifest themselves and they can cause a lot of trouble if we don't yeah. if we're not aware of them and if if we um well if we're not aware of them in ourselves and if we're not aware of them in our partner because they provide mm-hmm. an opportunity both for our own awareness but also for generosity toward understanding our partner and um having empathy and maybe pointing them out to our partner in a loving and generous way. So Michael, do you want to add anything to that? Well, maybe we should change. I think our title we came up with was owning our projections, but maybe we should call it turning our projections into opportunities. Ah, Okay. Um, A positive spin on them because they are such a common experience in relationships and they're usually the things that, bring a, bring people into therapy. And, uh, so maybe we can, uh, uh, get some ideas out there that will help people see them not as, uh, Oh, this is a problem to be solved. And, but rather, ah, opportunity for growth and healing and getting closer. Right. So let's talk a little bit. We talked about this before we started about what is a projection, you know, um, depending upon, um, your theoretical base, you might think about it slightly differently, but the way we'll think about it in gestalt therapy is that um, we learn things growing up, right? We learn, um, we internalize all the messages and experiences that we have, and they're kind of embedded in our nervous systems. And, mm-hmm. and then we learn how to protect ourselves. So if we know we're going to be rejected, um, we might do, we might become we will project that onto the environment. This person isn't right. going to like me or, and then we can probably do one of two things. We can, and this is true for all those, those um, creative adjustments or the, and, the, and those um, introjects that we have, we'll either be, go outward. And like, if I know mm-hmm. you're going to reject me, I'll assume that. And then I'll very aggressively move toward you to get you to like me or, and and maybe annoy you very much. Or I might um, decide that, Oh, you're going to reject me. So I'm not going to have anything to do with you. And I'm going to withdraw and be quiet and just take care of myself. So and those two polarities can apply to almost any uh, internalized, you know, message that we've, Got, would that something we've internalized in our our, our neural network? Well, Absolutely, and I think um, I think it's actually helpful to realize that we're much more conditioned than we generally accept about ourselves. We're much more Pavlovian in our day to day lives than we um, are aware. So, as in Gestalt, the first step is always awareness, mm-hmm. and that's why these moments of whatever the clash or the or the silent withdrawal looks like in the relationship 
to start to be aware of, oh, something's going on with me and uh, to look inside rather than see it as outside. You right. know, so that's like the first two steps, awareness and then recognizing uh, this has something to do with me and not necessarily my environment. And, you know, yeah. a signal, as, as you're saying that, a signal for all of us is when we start, when we feel something escalating, when we feel uh, an annoyance mm-hmm. or we feel a, an, a feeling, an angry feeling or um, yeah. a, an uncomfortable feeling, and then we'll put it out there and then it, there'll be a response to it. And, and then we'll start to escalate very quickly. And that's always, that's like the uh-oh moment. Uh-oh. Um, you know, that something, something is going to escalate and this could be, become very bad. And to, to begin to recognize that and breathe and um, yeah. try to identify either our projection or our partners and do it with generosity towards self or other. That's the right. moment that we want to catch, right? Yes. And work on tolerating the discomfort and again, spinning it into an opportunity rather than how do I get out of this? And usually the way we get out of this is blame, right? right? I'm going to blame somebody, anything but me. Right, and that's right. the trick of the mind. That's the projection. I want to get, not be responsible for my own experience. I'm going to make somebody else or something else, the situation, the person, the conditions are to blame. And then right, we're off right. to the races. Right. We have to yeah. prove that we're right. We have to, you know, and I, I think we, we talked about this a little. Harville Hendricks, who founded Imago Therapy, he said, uh, would you rather be right or be in a relationship? <laughs> yeah. But, but one of my clients just last week that we were, she said, I want to change that. It really should be, <laughs> would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and, yes and, real, that. And, and that was a good switch a good she's actually an editor <laughs> by profession <laughs> so, so she she did it she edited the, uh, the statement and i think she yeah. made it perfect would you rather be right or would you rather be happy and connect it um, yeah and that's the moment well, I, I, catch yeah i i love the basic imago exercise of giving the people in couples therapy, one is going to be the listener and one is going to speak from their experience, right, right. from the I, I, thou. And what I love is when, when couples really commit to that structure and they start to see it work, they begin to do it organically in outside of the office, right? Because in a way it's really, particularly when, when we ask someone to just be a listener we're asking them to step out of their ego position, right? And I've had couples come in and basically, I always remember this one couple who came in, they said, I don't know, even know what we're doing here. Uh, I know exactly what you're gonna say and you know exactly what I'm gonna say. So I could tell immediately they, they were no longer having a relationship with each other. They were completely having relationships with their projection onto the other. And, right, but right. the magic, yeah, the magic of this exercise is you, if you're willing to commit to just listening and not even do, you know, the internal eye roll or whatever, the ju- let go of judgment, suddenly that, that projection slides off of this other person and suddenly there's your partner who you once loved and were happy to be with. And it's really quite, 
quite stunning when it works, when people yeah, are really. able to to be in the roles and to drop the, and be vulnerable. Right, right. And to really listen, because the, the parenthetic clause in what you said with that couple is she said, you know what I'm going to say, and I know what you're <laughs> going to say. But the, yeah. that if we just said, I know what you're going to say, and I care about that, and I want to hear more, that's one thing. <laughs> yeah. But if, I, if it's, right. I know what you're going to say, and I don't care about it, and you're an idiot, that's another thing. You're, yeah, they were <laughs> they were at the end of their rope, as they say. There was no real conversation happening. It was just a repetition. Right, but so we want to get to the place of, I know what you're going to say, and I know what your fears are and your uh, insecurities, right. and I, right. I, I'm interested in helping yeah, you that, heal. And, you know, that matters you. to me. Right, that really right. matters to me. I've said that to people as well. I say, look, if somebody really struggles with the listening, um, I'll say to them, so you're here in indicating to me that you actually want to have a relationship with this other human being who's right here in front of you. So it would be a good idea to find out who that real person really is and what they're experiencing rather than trying to fix them or change them or judge them. And that sometimes is, you know, will help them let go of that last sense of exasperation that I have to listen to all this distorted things about me. And then they can, they can reconnect. Yeah. And the interesting thing, I think, is that, you know, when we meet somebody, we're drawn to somebody because we have like a, like a, an, an unconscious kind of connection to their wounded child that's similar to our wounded child. So we fall, oh. kind of fall in love. But then, yeah. then <laughs> we, that child needs things and our child needs things and we conflict and we attack each other. Right. So that yeah. initial falling in love and really intuitively um, feeling connected because of that inner child starts no. to go backfire. Right. Yeah. It's a kind of ingenious system that nature seems to have set up. To, <laughs> you know, the unconscious is so powerful, but we see it over and over again in, in couples. I see it in my own you know, marriage. Of, sure, um, how do we, how did this happen? You're the perfect foil for my, things and me for you and if we if we can stay present and care then then the healing can happen like you said as we talked earlier it's like a sacred opportunity and right. once you frame the relationship that way instead of trying to make it perfect and see these struggles as problematic and a, a sign that you shouldn't be together that there's right, something right, wrong right. with somebody right then that, that changes everything. Um, one right. can actually be excited about when there's a flare up, <laughs> you know, ah, another chance to practice forgiveness and compassion. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Or, you know, and to build a new family, you know, a new family that, that's, yeah. a, that's a, like you say, sacred, but a, I know, I know that the family I built, hopefully, I hope my children mm -hmm. would agree. <laughs> and, <laughs> is so much different than the family that I grew up in. I mean, it's probably yeah. not perfect. It was probably not even perfect for them. Um, their families, I'm sure, are even more perfect because um, they grew mm. up with, with much more love and support and safety than, mm. than I did. But we get, we, get to, we get to have a second chance, really, if we yeah. give that chance to ourselves and our partner. If we, right, um, you know. right. I think it's also important uh, to recognize how much we can do 
ourselves, even if our partner is struggling mm-hmm. to get with the program, shall we say, um, that um, being able to hold my own um, flaws, if you will, my own triggers and holding them with compassion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of like um, in the 12 steps where you're uh, identifying as being lovable because of you know the high, your higher power loves you and accepts you with your warts, warts and all, as they mm-hmm. say. So, so once I have really worked on my relationship to myself, now I can practice the same kind of loving acceptance towards my partner that I've seen tremendously reduce um, my, maybe not the number of triggers, but what you were talking about, the acceleration to avoid the acceleration. Because right. I can say, oh, I can see what's happening here. I'm, I'm losing my ground. I'm losing my peace of mind. I'm losing my connection to myself. And that's my signal. Right. right. That's right. my and, you signal. Know, and what you said about one person can do it is so important because we always think the other person should <laughs> do it. But somebody yeah. said, and I don't know who said it, that 100% of the responsibility is mine and the other 100% <laughs> is yours. So to really yeah. feel that, not 50-50, 100%, 100%. I, I love that so, one. Yes, yeah. I agree. And to feel mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, that you you don't have to join the escalation that's about to begin. And, you know, right. I was once in this um, workshop with, I think it was Olga Silverstein. You know, she said you only have like, Two, two salvos before the amygdala takes over and you have to fight for mm-hmm. your life. So that's why yeah. I always say you have to, uh-oh, when you, when you feel it <laughs> starting, that's the chance for your yeah. 100% to, to either ha- be aware of yourself or have empathy for the other people's right. projections because we can't and, and internalized um, injuries. You know, we know, we know what they are, by, and, and mm-hmm. it doesn't take long to, yeah. to know what our partners is and are and, and what ours is. I, my grammar is escaping me, but um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, some, sometimes with couples, um, a technique I've used is to give them a safe word or for them to create mm-hmm. a safe word, mm-hmm. like in sadomasochistic relationships where if, if it starts to escalate, you know, somebody recognizes we're about to take off here. And that's, we know that's not going to work. So somebody can, you know, put out this word. Uh, one couple came up with one. They, they said they stop the, the interaction and say, I just need to know that we're still friends. <laughs> that was their way of trying to bring it back into a, a useful conversation rather than, you yeah. know, attack, attack, blame, blame. Yeah. And then when, when you do that, when you're not fighting, then you have the chance to bring that in. If you can't think of that when you're fighting, you can only think of that in a sane moment. I, I have a couple right. recently, I'm, I'm going to make up a different name of their dog. Let's just say their dog was Frederick. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so their, their thing that they say when they're fighting is, what would Frederick say? <laughs> <laughs> Humor. Humor. Humor can be a, a very, right. you know, uh, take things out of the, Stop the escalation very right, quickly. Right, right. Humor is our so, best friend in those moments. Yeah. And if that's not working, a skill that I've had, I had to teach myself was to find a way to step away. Right. If the escalation and my partner just can't, obviously is not, you know, we've been at it for 10 or 15 minutes and I, I'm going to say, I, I love you. 
we'll continue this later, but I don't think this is going in the right direction. And I'm going to go in the other room. I'm going to go for a walk. I still love you. And, and, you know, it's not an easy separation, but it's definitely something I needed to learn because I was, if I'm triggered, I've got to correct any misperception somebody might be having about me. As you said, a good, a good Catholic boy, I have to restore my self image and uh, it's hard to walk away when I'm still feeling right mischaracterized. And, and you know, and we should talk about that, the good kids. But um, the, yeah. the thing about with that break that I always say, to, it's it, it's better to say we need a break mm. to, to make it uh-huh. mutual. The week. And, I, and I always think it's so important to say, I'm going to take a walk for 10 minutes and then I'll be back. Uh, even as better. A, as opposed to. I'm taking a walk. <laughs> right. right. I, walk. <laughs> I might then, be back or not. I'm, and the feeling is, oh, <laughs> what if he never comes back? You know, it creates yeah. too much panic. So, right. um, the, to, to, well, that to, makes sense because you're using language and structure for the young part of the partner, say, you know, like a kid who says, I'm going to be back in 10 minutes. And that's a time right, right. that a kid can, a young part can, can tolerate and understand. Right. You give a time Good out. Stuff. And there's a there's a limit to the time. Yeah. Hope, right. Hopefully that's what you need to do for a kid, but also for a grown up. We need to know that totally. we'll re, we'll reconnect. And you know, it's right. not the end. Yeah, I'm I'm leaving physically, but I'm not leaving, you know, psychologically, emotionally. We have, our connection is is solid. You can rely on me. So yeah. let's talk about the different, you know, there's so many that maybe there are a lot, there are so many different projections, but they probably all come from a very similar, you know, existential base, which is, you know, we feel we need to feel like the person that we're connected to loves us, understands us, cares about us. So, so many uh, isn't criticizing us, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and so many of the projections happen when we feel, I mean, I have one that, you know, I, you know, and you said you have some from, but you're, relationship but i have one that i love with my husband because um well and because i learned something so important from some from that projection um mm. it, like if if he and i'm hmm, i don't even know if this is true to say about myself but i tend if somebody says to me something's important i tend to try to do it maybe he would disagree but mm-hmm. I tend to try and, and do that. Yeah. But I, it, I asked him for one specific thing and he would keep forgetting to do it. And, and the, mm-hmm. the projection was all he thinks about is himself. He doesn't yeah, really yeah. care what I feel. And um, mm-hmm. he, do, you know, he's totally self-involved. He doesn't care about what I feel. And then one day mm-hmm. uh, he had asked me for something very specific because he had, uh, very, very badly injured his hand with a knife. So um, he said to me, when you load the dishwasher, please put the knives down and the forks down so that we mm-hmm. don't we don't injure ourselves. We don't we 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 don't have that risk of injuring ourselves. So right. I would very carefully put the knives down, very carefully put the forks down. <laughs> and because I would think, oh, this is so important to him. And then one day he's loading the dishwasher and I see he put the knives and the forks facing up. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I, I understood yeah. that my projection, he doesn't care about me when he doesn't do what I want. He wasn't yeah. doing it for himself. So I, right. I understood that maybe he gets, you know, a little anxious or spaced out or like is thinking about yeah. something else or, uh, and he loses um, connection to what the task is that's supposed to be happening because he wasn't right. doing it for himself. And after that, I never, ever, ever, uh, <laughs> it was such a wow. experience. Yeah. I never what felt, relief. Again, yeah, he doesn't care about me because uh, it wasn't true. You know, it, it, yeah. it was demonstrated right. to not be true. Um, right. And that was such a great learning experience, right? For, yeah. And, and on, on so many levels with, you know, the repercussions of it. Um, yeah. Well, it also makes me think of Gestalt phenomenological, right? We see there's a phenomena of putting the knives in one way or the other. Um, neither is right or wrong, good or bad, but it's the context or the interpretation we have that gives it it's good or bad. It's they're caring or they're not caring. Right, right. So and, again, yeah. um, oh. so, and, so and our perception the, is the projection. Right. The, and the our, projection comes from the childhood injury of right. I wasn't really paid attention to, I wasn't listened to, I wasn't cared about. And then yeah. um, uh, the assumption, and the, that's why it's so deeply wounding because in the end, these things aren't that important, but the, like whatever the thing is, you don't wash the dishes or you don't, whatever the thing is. But it's not about the dishes, I always tell people. It's about the underlying existential need to matter and to be cared for. So then if we if we project that person doesn't care or love us uh, or that we're not important because of these silly things that happen, these little tasks of everyday life, then we're off. Right. And, you know, and we're not right. That's not necessarily the case. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, some some people would say the recognition that the first thing that happened was we felt our own lack of self-love. And then the the outside world seemed to affirm that. And then we go into, you know, a lack of safety. And then we need to protect ourselves and go into blame or interpreting yeah. things as see the world the world is reinforcing this idea i have been carrying since childhood yeah i don't have a, quite as poetic an example but i will say as a good catholic boy with with the five kids in the family the way i had value was not having any needs right and or taking care of my mother so that's a big come from in my marriages my, my value is in taking care of my wife so if she's ever unhappy with me, I feel so unappreciated. It can be the slightest thing, you know, because my come from is my value is what a good guy I am and, and how attentive I am and sensitive. So, you know, she has no chance of, of unless she's so careful in her delivery of her, you know, criticism or need to uh, challenge me. I will. I have to be very watch that. So, right, right. And, you know, that's a really, I always say the good kids and a lot of times the good kids choose each other. It's that same thing. Like, you you know, you're a good kid, you're, you're ethical, you're, you're, you know, reliable and you want to pick somebody else who's also ethical, reliable, that you can respect the way you expect somebody to be. And then 
yeah. the, the good kids often have that fight. Like if there's like Oof. a slight, a slight criticism from the other, it's like, <laughs> oh, me? what do you, how dare you do that? What about all the other things I did? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I can list them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. to really appreciate, and, and again, it's mutual. So you can either appreciate that trigger in yourself or you can be generous and appreciate that trigger in your partner and understand, uh oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to criticize you. I didn't right. mean to, um, they didn't mean it to sound like that. So you have to, yeah. it can work both ways. That's the 100% responsibility, right? Yes, I agree. And um, something we talked about earlier also was it's such an important capacity to be able to uh, apologize. Because mm-hmm. these things are not always easy to catch. You know, we're busy, right, right. We're, things are coming and happening, and all of a sudden, boom, you're triggered. And um, so, uh, right. And sometimes it takes a day or a couple of hours for us to realize, oh, I, I'm the one who overstepped here. We feel justified so often. And then suddenly it dawns on me, wait a minute, that was really my stuff that was getting triggered. And I can go and apologize. And, um, and then the other skill in couples that's so important is to be able to hear and accept the apology so right, that the, right. the charge on the exchange really is back to zero. Nobody's carrying, uh, you know, a resentment or uh, uh, ongoing criticism or hurt or shame. And right. that's that takes time. That takes time. Yeah. And, then, you know, it helps if it's a genuine apology without a but, like I always yeah. say, but is the curse yeah. word, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> can't, if I say, yeah. you know, I'm sorry, but you, you were this way or that way. Um, yeah. yeah, it has to really be. And it's such a fine line between you're criticizing me between mm-hmm. that and I hurt you. And to yeah, really right. like jump over that line and be in what I did hurt you or upset you um, is where we yeah. have to go. Right. That's where the apology can be genuine. Yeah. Well, the, the best ones are where both people are able to yeah. apologize as now that you've apologized, I can see my part and I, I have some responsibility here right, too. Right. Here's my part. Here's what was going on for me. And it's such, you know, that's uh, that kind of repair is so profound. So right. beautiful. As, as long as I don't say, now you apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I, you. I, that's often on the tip of my tongue because I just did such a beautiful apology and <laughs> right. <laughs> and not always coming. So yeah. So I, I thought of an interesting um like an wait, what is this? Um uh I I I thought of an interesting um uh, example and we can like mm-hmm. maybe spin off on this because this was really an amazing thing and this is a true thing that happened with one of my patients i was um her her boyfriend was supposed to call her and he he didn't call and she comes mm-hmm. into the session he didn't call he never cares about me he's he's probably not he doesn't care about me anymore and she was doing this and I kind of knew from their relationship that it didn't sound right. Like it didn't sound like mm-hmm. something that he was generally more reliable. So I said, come on, let's think about some other reasons he might not have called. Like maybe he was really, really busy. Um, so what, you know, 
<laughs> he's still good <laughs> not good enough uh, not good enough so then i said well maybe he was in a car accident and he's in the hospital and she was like oh ha 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 and then it, and then she gets a phone call from the emergency room i swear that <laughs> yeah. he actually had been in a car accident and he was in the um in in the emergency oh, right. room in the hospital so it right. was such a great example of you have to project all the possibilities um, yes, and, not, right. and not, not just the possibility that comes from your trauma, from your wounded little person that lives Absolutely. inside of you. So project right. all the possibilities, including, you know, some generous ones or positive ones. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I, I have a, a story I like to share sometimes. So uh, one night I had to get up in the middle of the night, goes to the bathroom. And I step out of the bedroom into the hallway and I see this metal box, like about two feet by two feet, right in the right in the hallway. And I'm like, where did that metal box come from? I'm so angry at my wife. What, what was she thinking? I could have tripped over that. And I had this whole reaction. I'm going to talk to her in the morning. And within one other step, I could see that actually it was a shadow that appeared to me to be three dimensional. <laughs> It was just a shadow on the wall. And I watched my brain make up a whole story oh, wow. and go right wow. into reaction. And it was mm-hmm. like a, a lesson for me. Like, that's how quickly it happens. That's how real it feels. And it was kind of like a metaphor, like it says, I'm seeing something that literally is not there. It's wow. only wow. happening in my inner perception. And I've always tried to remember that, that I am probably you know, not seeing reality here. I am seeing my inner reality projected onto the world. And so that kind of ownership again is, you know, like we said, this kind of phase one of interrupting what can end up ruining a marriage, ruining relationships. So, yeah. Okay. You know, as we were, uh, as I was preparing for this, I thought about all the other forms of therapy and therapy like, um, practicums that uh, deal with the same material. I was thinking about uh, internal family systems therapy, which deals with all the parts and has this idea of a self, a larger self with a capital S. And that's holding the identity, the, the paradox of I'm perfect and good and even whole while I have these other parts that are scared and shamed and worried and frightened and needy. And um, I was thinking also about uh, Marshall Rosenberg's work, nonviolent communication um, and radical forgiveness, very similar language. Even the 12 steps is it's more towards one's uh, internal work. But of course, they have amends and making amends is a very similar, similar process. So this is out there in many different forms. And, you know, I'm always fascinated by all the people who have like a slightly different slant and they Mm -hmm. develop their own theory. But in the end, it comes down to we have to care about ourselves. We have to care about the other. Right. And, and, you know, it comes down to Hillel. I always quote Hillel. If I'm not for myself, who Mm -hmm. will be? If I'm not for others, what am I? And that started in, you know, 100 B.C., and, you know, he postulated an existential dilemma. And, every, you know, I think everything is some variation on that. And, um, yeah. 
And, yeah. you know, but it, I it actually, comes down to that. Yeah. I always, you know, the, the golden rule, love thy neighbor as thyself is right, this right. movement towards, we're not really even separate beings. You know, we are of one uh, nature. And as I said, as we said, relationships and marriage in particular is really an opportunity to practice that on a day-to-day basis. Um, You know, there is a chart out I saw once where there's maybe a dozen different major religions, and apparently all these religions have some variation, some version of the golden rule. So Uh it's it's pretty universal. Right, which goes um, all the way back to Hillel in 100 BC. Yeah, right. um, Or we have, I mentioned earlier, Carl Rogers, you know, to put it in our more in our lineage a little bit is um you know unconditional positive regard unconditional right. positive regard which is i think you used the term when we were talking earlier of a positive projection that i'm going right, to right. hold my hold the other as good with a capital g and whole and worthy of love and even if they're temporarily scared or needy or even angry with me i'm going to still hold them as uh as lovable and um that is a um i think an important stance that can really this is when we can accept oh my partner has temporarily lost their mind lost contact with themselves with their worth and rather than pile on rather than escalate it let's see if i can hold the space like we would as therapists for our clients who are struggling, hold the space and give them enough room to maybe run through the, as much anger as they need to express and then still stay present. And that can be very healing. Right. And I always say under the anger that anybody's expressing is a need and a vulnerability because we don't get angry unless we're hurt. We need something. We're frustrated. So to really be able to hear that, under the anger is really important and to know that under our, our own anger is really important yeah um, i know in, in uh, a course in miracles has a way of saying there's only two forms of communication two categories if you will. one is love and the other is i'm i need love mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. some form whatever form that love takes but those are the two categories of of communication, which is nice. It makes things simple. Uh, you can say, oh, this person who's angry, scared, sad, lonely, turning away, whatever the uh, expression is, you can say, oh, they're, they're clearly lost touch with their own uh, lovability. So let me be the uh, temporary supplier of that love or compassion or whatever is needed. That's, that simply makes sense. You know, I have an interesting, again, it's an example from some a couple that I worked with, but that uh, it kind of works almost the other way. The one couple mm-hmm. was being um, very loving, very generous, and, and was trying very hard to, um, you know, to be positive, loving, generous. Uh, but the projection from the other person was, they must be doing that because they want something from me. (laughs) Rather than, and then again, that comes from a childhood. It's so hard to believe when we weren't genuinely loved and and held to um, believe that sometimes somebody is actually doing that for us, actually loving us, actually appreciating it. 
actually yeah. doing it from generosity and not from an ulterior motive. So right. um, it, yeah. that was kind of a fascinating moment. When, <laughs> right. Even in the face of love, one cannot see it or experience right. it. I often say, you know, the irony or the terrible irony is, I think the hardest thing for us as human beings is to let another love us, is to mm. actually receive and take in love. It's the most vulnerable position. Right, right. That we so can vulnerable. Take. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's such a it's such a trust. And of course, all the wounds that we're talking about, um, all the injuries that we then have to creatively adjust to, um, boil down to some break in the loving connection with the with the caregiver. So they're early and yeah. deep. Yeah. That's why we can, we, I mean, I always feel such a lesson that I get from my grandchildren or even from dogs, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're, they're so, they're, they're, when they're young and mine are very yeah. young and, and, or a dog is always this way. They're just, uh, or yeah. not always, I guess, even the dog could have, could have a, a, a violent owner and, and learn to be afraid, but they're so yeah. um, vulnerable. They're so, they assume, right. Yeah. that you're going to love them and that if they need something, you're going to give it to them. And they kind of come with these open arms and it's so, just yeah. such a wonderful gift that they give us to, to see that innocence and that uh, positive expectation. Yeah. yeah. I used to do childcare at the uh, Park Slope food co-op and I would mm. read books for kids. And sometimes I would literally have like eight kids hanging on me reading this book. It was so delicious, so right, right. warm. You know, they were so into the book and so uh, entertained. But I was getting so much by saying, wow, these kids are so trusting. It was like a right. almost like a body memory of, oh, yeah, you could live like that. You know, this carefree, uh, protected space. So, yeah. And hopefully some of those kids are from like a second or third generation where healing has occurred. And they're mm -hmm. actually going to pass, they're not going to have the same negative right. projection that some of us have or some of our clients have. Imagine yeah. that. Imagine just assuming <laughs> that somebody is generous <laughs> right? and of goodwill and loves you and you love them. And if they yeah. need something, you want to give it to them because they're going to want to give it to you. Uh, totally. It's pre pretty, pretty amazing to see that possibility when you see right. some of these young kids emerge. Right. That that's, that's the ground that they live yeah. in. Yeah. The, the if you love me, I'll love you. It's very simple. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Innocent. Innocent until proven otherwise. And it doesn't have to be perfect. I remember Winnicott, who's a, a you know, a child de uh, developmental theorist. He said, yeah. you only need 85%. You can, you, the parents get 15%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they can get it wrong 15% of the time, but, but right. you need, but, but the majority has to be positive. Mm. And then I heard a study, someone shared a study with me that said um, that in terms of parental attunement, that one third of the time you'll be in perfect attunement with your child. It'll be everything that you mm -hmm. wanted and hoped for. One third of the time you'll be at odds. And, you know, uh, teenage years will be more at odds, probably percentage wise. Yeah, yeah. But then the other third is repair, is a genuine conversation. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and they're, they're saying this is such an important thing. You know, 
you don't want to be in a family where, you know, all the feelings are hidden or the parents are, you know, pretending to be perfect. This is right, not good right. role modeling. So this, this, they, they actually were suggesting that that one third of not being connected is important because that's how, that's how things are in the world. That's how relationships are. But the repair work is, is what, um, is a skill set that if a kid can learn in in the house and carry it out as if it were again that's right. their expectation not that everybody's going to love them and be perfect but rather if there is a problem it can be repaired right that's right it's a different because, ground yeah that's really important and, and that's the value of an apology like if a parent says i'm sorry i hurt you or i'm sorry i forgot or i'm sorry i disappointed you um yeah, yeah that's the that 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 it reinforces the idea that well that's the way it was supposed to be and yeah. and and we're not perfect sometimes we can make a mistake but yeah that's so important yeah the other prepare. thing is yeah i think the other thing that helps is um re reminding us uh, ourselves and our, the couples we work with that we're we're dealing with a growth model right uh, as you know, growing up Catholic, there's a, you're either you know good or bad. You're you're sinning, and then we know where what happens to those who sin. So I lived in this tremendous you know black and white world, um, and so so any failure or any fight could in my early relationships felt just catastrophic, and so to realize oh no this is part of the process that. that the human journey is one of growth and again to see them as opportunities rather than failures right. and that's been a big help to people to see because so many of us are worried should i be in this relationship is this a good relationship is this a bad marriage what are the criteria what what should i what standards should i set for my relationship you know what can i expect from others how do i respond you know especially if there's something as challenging as infidelity or you know, other things and right. we have to look at all right what about forgiveness which is another you know, another word that's tossed around a lot um, right right and that's yeah. you know you're right that's one of the hardest things to um to repair but it's possible mm -hmm. and again well, it comes down to awareness of what each person might have contributed to the ground that made that happen but also really sincere apology that that it happened right i think also of course it it matters what what meaning do we assign to things um if if we have a standard that says any argument means it's a a, a bad relationship um then we're not going to get too far um so um we have to look at what what meaning am I giving this person's behavior, um, and take responsibility for that, and work it out. Talking about what does it really mean? That's, right. Yeah. And um, and also, why do we stay together? Like you know, I always say, if it's forty nine fifty one percent, if you're in it, fifty one percent, you're in it for a reason, and and there's enough good in there to nurture and and attempt yeah. to you know make that good grow into into more um, yeah but yeah we're in it because we're in it and we need the connection we need the attachment um there's enough yeah. about the person that we value and yeah to project yeah. the positive 
is is instead of the negative is yeah. is the task I, right yeah when i when i was first in, in my 20s and i was in couples therapy a couple a few times before my marriage and i this image used to come up that getting into a relationship was going into a lobster trap right? <laughs> ah. the further you go in then you're trapped and mm-hmm. that image kept coming up for me and what it took in in my marriage was to realize no no you you want to go all the way in the commitment is what makes it safe that right. you know being half in is what makes it crazy and dangerous once you go in you say oh you, i started to realize no this is not a trap it's a door into an, another area of freedom and growth that i want to go right. through that door it's not a trap on the other side of that door is is love and freedom and possibilities so, but it takes, you know, it takes a while. I'm right. working with a, a couple now where um, they got married uh, partly to green card in pandemic and moving and things. And now one of them is having a bit of a panic saying that I'm not sure I was really ready. And so they're trying to work through the uh, uh, other, other parts of them came forward now that weren't engaged, weren't, uh, in awareness uh, during the, the pandemic. And they're trying to work this out to see, uh, do they feel trapped? Do they, do they feel safe and free in this relationship? Yeah. Right, and it's always that polarity, right? Between one projection is I'm trapped and I can't get out <laughs> and I'm not free. And the other projection yeah. is I'm safe and uh, I'm, I have a, a safe structure and I'm taken care of. and. Uh, and yeah. I guess the projection is, and I'll be, and I, and my needs will be respected, and I, mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm not going to be trapped. I'm not going to be trapped because my partner will care about mm-hmm. what I need. So it's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's always yeah. the, the polarity, and it, sometimes it can get pretty close, fifty-fifty, or, but forty-nine, yeah. fifty-one if they're in the relationship. Yeah, that's all <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think this is also where, you know, the, the classic, the language of love comes in, where um, if you're getting enough of that language, then then you feel safe. You feel like, oh, this is a good place to be. Um, you know, when when my wife is openly taking care of me, I'm, I become like a little kid. You know, it's just I'm just so happy. Uh, like I said, having been raised in a big family, there wasn't a lot of one-on-one time with my parents and so to be taken care of is just uh, magical to me yeah that's that's nice it's always amazing to me though how trauma like it's so it's so easy to forget those moments the moments that we are together and we want to be together that makes it worthwhile to be together the good moments like being taken care of being loved having fun whatever it is that um having safety um those that can like just disappear in a moment when what comes into the foreground is the projection that's caused by an instant <laughs> where I'm yeah. not, not feeling loved. I'm not feeling paid attention to, I'm not feeling important. And then one of those fights escalate and every, and the rest can go into the background and, and um, feel like it doesn't exist, you know, in that moment, amazing. it's kind of ma- yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like I said, in that that walk to the bathroom, 
In one yeah. step, it was one world, and the next step, that world disappeared. Right, right, that right. That version of so, me, that angry, upset person, just became a, a shadow. Mm -hmm. It was just a shadow of my mind. Right, so. and that's such a good example because it wasn't even anything that, <laughs> yeah, that, right. that it was real. Yeah, it was literally my perception. So, um, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to share that one story as we talked about a positive um, positive projection, and uh, I shared the story with you earlier that my wife, who is uh, born in Poland, and she loves to keep a clean house, so she's been cleaning the house throughout the pandemic. Every Sunday, top to bottom, dusting, washing the floors, and everything. It's a little crazy to me, but, it, you know, I like the clean house, too. But, um, so uh, one night, it was about 10.30, we had had dinner. She had cleaned the whole house that afternoon. She was sitting in the kitchen. I was clearing the table, and I dropped something. Something rolled off one of the plates onto her just clean floors, and she got so triggered. And she was just going on about how insensitive I was and I don't care about her work and I don't respect her and she worked so hard. And I was triggered because it was just a simple accident. And I went into the living room and I paced back and forth and I found myself and I started feeling, watching my inner workings. And then something came over me where I said, you know, because she said to me, I want you to clean all the floors again. And this Sunday night, it's 10.30 at night. I'm exhausted, you know, work the next day. And I, But I finally somehow got to a place where I said, you know what? If that's what she wants, that's what I'm going to do. It just felt like the right thing to do. It was a kind of true acceptance and forgiveness. It wasn't a manipulative thing. I didn't say, I'll show her or anything like that. And I just, it was liberating for me. I felt totally mm -hmm. liberated. And, I, and suddenly, instead of feeling exhausted, I felt energized. And I went over to the closet. I started taking out the broom and the mop. And my wife could hear it. And she knew from the sound what I was doing. And then she just says, I feel like you're washing my feet. <laughs> you know, this kind of spiritual image of me just honoring her. And then she broke, you know, tell like a fever in her broke. And she said, you don't have to do it. Thank you, though. But you just you being willing to do it for me was enough. It's such and a good example. Yeah, yeah. It's such a good example of, of generosity, mutual generosity, right? Yeah. And generosity creates generosity. And then um, totally. the, cy the cycle begins. And the projection, she's just uh, whatever, crazy or obsessive or whatever. Or just she wants yeah. everything her way. If, when you right. Once you could get to this is what she needs because this is important to her and you could be generous. Then she was able to receive that and be generous back. And it's yeah. that mutual generosity. It's yeah. so healing and important. Yeah. We, we yeah. shifted. I was feeling victimized. She was feeling victimized. I was feeling victimized. And then somehow I stepped out of that position mm -hmm. and saw it from another perspective and it just, it just clicked. Right. So that's, well, uh, you, you did the positive projection, which is, yes. this is what she likes. This is what she needs. Yeah. I'll just give that right. to her. She's, and I, I genuinely love her. So that's, <laughs> I want her to be happy. It's, you know, it's like, was such a simple, but profound moment yeah. for me. Yeah. Simple, yeah. but not always easy to achieve. Right. Right. If you, but, right. Yeah. So I think uh -oh. they're telling us that, um, we have to end soon. So let's make sure. 
is there anything yeah. else? I I never quite know. <laughs> How to, right. You know, anything else you want to say in closing? Um, well, I think I want to go back to Carl Rogers, who I've kind of taken on. I I have heard, sorry about the siren. I don't know if I can here in Brooklyn. Um, Carl Rogers, again, um, unconditional positive regard, which a colleague of mine says that he actually has said out loud that he wanted to use the word love, <laughs> but Carl. he felt it wasn't clinically acceptable that it was mm -hmm. too controversial of a word at the time and probably is still today, but that's really what we're talking about. And I try to do that when I sit with clients is to hold them as already whole and that we're just working through all the, um, the hurts and wounds and fears that are blinding them, if you will, or temporarily distracting them from their true state of wholeness. And um, I have had a couple of beautiful experiences with clients where um, it's literally making eye contact and having been in a, in a connected space where the, the boundary between the two of us seemed to dissolve to a certain mm -hmm. degree. Mm -hmm. And the distinction between me being a therapist and they being a client also kind of left, left yeah. the field. And you could almost, it was almost like I could see the, if you will, to use an old fashioned word, the, the neuroses lift from mm -hmm. this person. And there was a recognition between us that said, you're not a client, you're not a disturbed person, and I'm right, just right. another human being sitting with you, witnessing you, and we're equals. Right, we're, we're, we're love both... Thy neighbor, as I say. Like, we're both human, and we both mm -hmm. um, have this... that We need to face the same existential dilemmas, right? That's part of humanity, right? To be, yeah. to be needed, to be loved, to be important, to be safe. So it's always, yeah. that's really, that's a beautiful moment. But it also yeah. to have that with a, with a partner is a beautiful moment. Right. Yes. Where all the fear somehow just dissolves and there's that recognition of, well, you know, the true self, if you will. And yeah. That's what we're trying. And we're, to, we're all trying. trying to stay we're all trying to negotiate this uh, yes. life <laughs> that yes. is with so many like that, you know, just complicated moments, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. All well, right. I, so. Yes. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I mean, oh, thank you, Michael. It was a lot of fun for you, you too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and we'll see each other in Brooklyn. <laughs> yes, see you around Brooklyn. All right, thank you so much. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Ask Arlo. Arlene Majorano has another episode of the podcast coming soon. So keep checking back on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. And be sure to visit askarlo.com to ask questions and to find out more about the show. Until our next show, keep finding new ways to renew the relationships in your life. <laughs>